Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Very pleased to be joined by Zachary Davis, the founder and president of Lyceum, an educational audio platform that is launching right about now. We're very excited to have Zachary on the show. Zachary is also the organizer of the Sound Education Educational Audio Conference, which we were very happy to attend back in the fall. He's also the host of Ministry of Ideas, which is a wonderful podcast that's been around for several years. And as if that were not enough, he's also about to launch. In fact, I just listened to the first episode. So he is live with a new podcast called Writ Large about the books that had the most profound influence on the world and civilization. Lots of amazing stuff going on in Zachary's life. He's also a recent parent as I am as well, although 15 months, I, I don't know how long I can say that. Regardless of all this, Zachary, I'm really happy to have you. Thank you for joining us on Training in Education. Thank you so much, Mike. It's a pleasure to talk with you. So, you know, Trending in Education, we're getting titular here. Trending in Education, we want to understand what trends are happening in the world of education. One trend that is evident in education, it's also evident more broadly in media consumption, is audio. Our listeners are listening right now, so they understand uh, the power of audio. But I'd like to begin there uh, with you. Top level, do you have any thoughts on education and audio and how those two uh, are intertwined? Sure. So about seven years ago, I heard about a new initiative called edX. And I was invited uh, to apply at HarvardX, which was the group that was going to be making Harvard's free, massive, open online courses. So I was one of the very first employees of HarvardX, and it was a, a really exciting time. It was like a blank canvas in which we could rethink, how can we educate the world with some of the world's best scholars? And so we really focused a lot on two things. Uh, really good video production mm -hmm. and really engaging uses of technology in the form of assessments or activities or discussion. And so over the course of seven years working at HarvardX, I worked on a lot of amazing projects, amazing courses. One of the first ones was about early Christianity, and it was a course about the, the letters of Paul. And we filmed the professor teaching and we added these great animations to make it really engaging. We even created this cool, what we called a time map, which showed you both where the letter was written in the you know, Middle East and when. And so you could kind of see the path of these letters and it was really exciting. And when we launched, you know, the professor that I worked with was used to seminars of 10 people mm -hmm. and we had 30,000 people sign up to take this course. Mm -hmm. And that was the kind of scale, right, that got everyone extremely excited about MOOCs and about online courses. And wow, maybe we can dramatically lower the cost of education through these new technologies. Mm -hmm. But pretty quickly, some, you know, we, we encountered some struggles, which was very few people actually completed these courses. Very few people got through them. Yep. They would click on the first activity. <laughs> the first you know the first day and then they would never come back and so some of these completion rates are abysmal like one to three percent mm -hmm. now i consoled myself at the time by saying well you know lots of people browse books at a library they open the first page you know not everyone takes it home 
But when you when you would look at how many people were actually completing these courses and presumably getting you know the most out of them, it, it, it was lower than the enthusiasm behind right. these courses. So about three or four years ago, though, I like many uh, many Americans started listening to podcasts on my way to work, right. and it quickly became part of my day. And I quickly realized how powerful audio can be both in terms of communicating ideas and knowledge, but also because it fits people's lifestyles a lot better. And, and one of the reasons I think people don't finish any of these MOOCs is because they're on screens all day yep. for work. And when they come home, they don't want more screens. And they're kind of too busy to sit down with no distractions, you know, on a desktop or something mm -hmm. and, and like proceed. So, I became convinced that audio was the best way to share knowledge. And so I had been wanting to work on my own education project. And so I started this show called Ministry of Ideas. Mm -hmm. And Ministry of Ideas was designed to take the great conversations uh, that I was having while a student at Harvard Divinity School and share that with more people. And so each episode is on a different topic, a different concept, like, you know, the, the theology of history or cannibalism or world's fairs and we give you history and philosophy and cultural criticism it was really successful and you know my my podcast started getting more listeners than a lot of the harvard faculty courses that i was you know working on yep. and and i think it had more to do with the medium than the message mm -hmm. so i was really um captivated by education and audio and in 2018, I started a, a conference called Sound Education. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know what kind of response we would get. I didn't even know, you know, that many educational podcasters, but we managed to get Dan Carlin to be our keynote that first year. Mm -hmm. and, and then I learned about, you know, hundreds and hundreds of amazing independent educational podcasters who came together in Boston for a few days and it was magic. And when we were all in a room um, and all learning about each other's work and our excitement and our audience engagement and uh, all these things, I, I really started to realize that we were comprising a brand new universal university, that we were a kind of invisible network of educators united by this new medium. And, and so, I, I mean, I was hooked and have been ever since. And what I'm doing now with Lyceum is attempting to give that new university a home, mm -hmm. to give all of these educational podcasters a place to go deeper with their listeners mm -hmm. and find ways of support, both financial and community, and also to help everyone else, all lifelong learners, discover the richness of these shows because mm -hmm. there, are, there are one million podcasts on Apple. Right. It's impossible. To, to find the show that you're looking for unless you already know what you're looking for. So um, what Lyceum does is it just curates the best educational podcasts out there and helps people trying to learn something, uh, find, find good shows worth listening to. Yeah. It's fantastic uh, history there and, uh, and good job by you uh, taking the initiative to, to kind of pivot off of the traditional concept of a MOOC. And in many ways, you know, I, I do think, Educational audio is in many ways meeting some of the promise of MOOCs that never were fully, never was fully realized. 
And, uh, you know, the many of the themes we talk about on trending in education regularly, you've hit on. Uh, one is, you know, audio is the new video is something that, that I like to say. And then also the importance of finding good uh, curation of content in a world where we're swimming in noise and just confusion. It does sound as though Lyceum, which is live now too, right? So like it's launched like within, you know, the last few weeks. Is that correct? We launched yesterday. Oh, wow. Very timely. That's, <laughs> I like to say, you know, I like to say zeitgeisty at least once a show. So, so this is very much in, in the collective consciousness and, and really uh, fantastic stuff from what I've seen so far. I want to I explore more, particularly the, the community features I, I found really uh, interesting because as someone who both produces podcasts, hosts them, and also is an avid listener to them. One thing that I've struggled with is feeling uh, that sense of community and connection that you can find in a great educational community or university. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because it does seem as though that has been both built into the launch of the application for Lyceum, but also just generally speaking, it does seem like that is... Uh, part of your mission, uh, as I understand it, is to not just curate, but also build that, that sense of a learning community through the folks who are listening to, to Lyceum shows. That's exactly right. What, one of our taglines is we help turn podcasts into classrooms. Mm -hmm. And what, the way we do that is we give every single podcast a discussion room, its own discussion room, where the host or the creator can share comments and ideas and links and readings and all the things that can deepen their listener engagement with their show. You know, most of the shows that we produce come from research and, you know, reading, and there's a lot that we would love to share beyond just the episode. And so we give creators that, that ability to do that. And it also gives listeners a place to come together and find other fans. You know, there are really passionate trending and education listeners who would love to talk to one another and geek out about, you know, the future of education. But right now there's really not a place to do that. You can kind of do it on Twitter and Facebook, but I would say not very successfully because it's so open and because a lot of people don't even like those platforms. Right. Um, Lyceum is a safe place just for the show mm -hmm. that the creator can control and moderate and that listeners can, you know, in a more private sphere, share ideas and knowledge. So that's something that's really important to us. And I think that learning should happen in community. And I think you're absolutely right that because audio is inexpensive um, and easy to distribute globally, mm -hmm. I do think educational podcasting is fulfilling the promise of MOOCs that got uh, so much attention in the national press. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because when I was a regular commuter, and I'd love to, to get your thoughts on the impact of the, the COVID-19 pandemic on listenership and folks' ability to be lifelong learners who are leaning into the opportunity that this, this, this very difficult time is affording all of us to, to be more reflective and look at our own personal growth. But when I was pre-COVID-19, when I was commuting uh, to work, that was one of the main times I'd be listening to podcasts. And I would, I was always joking that, you know, while on the subway, my visual field was really focused on self-preservation, but I still could afford my ears and my, my ability to listen to learning. And then what I've 
what I've been more interested in of late, now that I'm commuting less, is the idea of listening to something and then being able to supplement it with with more so that, you know, audio is great in that when you're on the go, you can listen. But what I really am, am, am intrigued by, and it seems like Lyceum is beginning to explore this, is what about the, the more full experience when you are maybe at your home, you know, where you have the affordance of being able to to read along while listening to content or to be able to engage in uh, in a discussion either while listening or, or afterwards. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like the both both use cases, I guess. On the one hand, the the ability to engage with audio really throughout your life, you know, whether you're doing chores around the house or you're you're driving somewhere, you're commuting, you know, audio can be uh, a really wonderful companion in those contexts. And then I'm, I'm really curious about your thoughts because Lyceum seems to be entering into this space. You know, when you have more, more of your attentional energy to be able to devote to what you're listening to, even in the example of writ large, I would imagine listeners could, could have the books themselves in their hands and they could be browsing through an annotated version of the book or they could the 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 possibilities are, are are really endless when you think about it and that's always struck me I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on that yeah so i i think first of all audio works because it's hands-free because you can do it while you're doing things in you know what mike duncan uh, a host of a history of rome podcast calls garbage time mm-hmm. you know it used to be oh shit i'm you know crap i've got it i've got to do the, the dishes well, now it's like, yay, I get to do the dishes, podcast time. So I'm reluctant. I mean, there's a reason why video, you know, isn't as good as audio for this kind of lifelong learning, the way it fits into your into your life in this way. So my my vision would be you listen to a show about Plato's Republic. And then after you've gotten engaged and invited into this topic, the host can say, here's a link to the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy entry. This will give you a lot of good roundup. Or uh, here's a link to a video that's really, really fantastic as well. Or, or here's you know a text, the Project Gutenberg text, where you can start reading for yourself. So I, I think of great podcasts as an invitation to a topic, a spark of, of a topic. And then we can help uh, listeners go a little deeper. Mm-hmm. That makes, it, makes a lot of sense. So what about the, these difficult circumstances that in many ways you're launching into where, you know, where many of us are sheltering at home, it is global, you know, the, this pandemic that we're all struggling with. So I think there is almost a collective, maybe asking you to wear your uh, student of divinity hat as well. Like there is a collective uh, need or opportunity maybe to be more reflective and you know, maybe remove some of the distractions that we've we've all become so accustomed to in in the the, the, the pre COVID nineteen experience. Any thoughts on how this may impact opportunities for lifelong learning, opportunities to engage in content like educational podcasting? I've I've certainly been thinking of it as an opportunity for myself to kind of reimagine my own self improvement because I have more time. It's also obviously been a time to be more reflective about the people I care about and trying to stay connected, even though I have to be physically distanced. 
you know, it is a time I think where we're all really, it's a forcing function in many ways. So I'd love to get your perspective on, on that and, and then where you think curated educational podcasting and the community features that, that you're launching may, may actually provide opportunities for folks while they're struggling with these difficult times. Well, first off, all of us who are staying home right now are you know, struggling with loneliness mm-hmm. and isolation. And so I think to be able to listen to a show that you like and then you know, share ideas and conversation with other people listening mm-hmm. is something that we hope we can help with. Mm-hmm. I also think there's a lot of people struggling with anxiety and worry about the economy, about our culture, mm-hmm. about our political leadership. And they're looking for solace. And, you know, there's lots of ways to find solace, but I find that learning about history, learning about different parts of the world and the way it works can help you feel more empowered and can help you feel like you have some control over what can feel like an overwhelming sense of, you know, despair and struggle. So I think education is not only for practical skills, but also to give us the capacity to meet challenges like the one we're currently in. Mm-hmm. And, and it is for personal growth. And so I think podcasts provide an enormous wealth of, of resources, educational resources that can help you understand why our politics looks the way it is, can mm-hmm. help you understand you know, the virus itself. And, and there's all sorts of scientific shows that can help help you understand so i mean really in times of crisis uh, education is is an important tool we have to to overcome it mm-hmm. no it's a, it's a great answer and uh maybe that helps us pivot towards uh, writ large which i did want to spend a little bit of time on because i was able to listen to the first episode with the joyce chaplin from harvard university talking with you about Jewel Verne's work around the world in 80 days. And it was really a fascinating conversation. And it did sort of strike the chord that I, that I think you're talking about right here in that it, it did sort of connect to this sense of timelessness and really a breadth of perspective that for me was a really lovely antidote to the the 24-7 breaking news cycle, which which I think is unhealthy, uh, but it's pretty easy to get sucked into it because it is so critical to understand what's happening in the world today. So it does seem like spending focused time to get the news is certainly valuable, but then starting to carve out more time for, for maybe better use of my intellectual energy. And uh, writ large seemed like that to me. So first off, I really enjoyed your, your first episode. So I'm looking forward to more. But, but can you describe what writ large, writ large is? And I'd love to hear some, some teases for some of the other shows. Because it sounds like it's a pretty ambitious project, too, in terms of the scope that you're looking to to tackle here. So, so can you give us uh, a little perspective on writ, what writ large is? And it also, it's launching really to coincide with the launch of Lyceum as well, right? So, so this is sort of a, it's like an anchor show for the, the app. And I really did enjoy the first episode. So can you talk to our listeners 
a bit about what, what writ large is and maybe try to entice us with some, some tantalizing ideas of what's on the horizon? Definitely. So yes, writ large is the first original production of Lyceum Studios, which is our original content production house. And we are hoping to work with professors around the world to make brand new shows with them and new audio courses. And when we first were thinking about what should our first show be, we knew we wanted it to be something that could draw upon the resources of the Boston Cambridge academic community. And one of our first thoughts was, well, why don't we do a great book show? We'll go through the Harvard classics and we'll explain them for people. And, you know, I think that it was going to be a fine show. But, you know, as I thought about, like, you know, if you haven't read a book, listening to a long summary and analysis of it is kind of boring. It's, you know, you just can't follow along. So I was playing at a, a park with my kids, you know, wrestling with what concept could we do that would be exciting, even if you haven't read the book? And that's when I got the idea, well, why don't we do what happens after the ink is dry, after the book is published? It's afterlife in the world. And so this is a show about the impact of books. So you don't have to know about the book, what's in the book, really. It's all about its influence. And so there are some books that have absolutely changed our world. I mean, just think about you know, Darwin's Origin of Species, you know, absolutely like changes massively uh, the way we live and the way we think. And there are many books like that. And so that's what Real Large focuses on. But it's not just the big famous books. It's also books you've never heard of, but nevertheless have really shaped many important things about life. So for example, we interviewed a Stanford professor named Rowan Doran about a book called The Life and Passion of St. William of Norwich. Okay, none of you have heard of this book. Uh, nobody has. But this book is the most important anti-Semitic book in history. Mm. This is the book that influenced the Nazi ideology, that influences conspiracy theories even today. Mm. This was the book that first began the myth of blood libel, which is that Jewish groups were conspiring to murder Christian children mm. and drink and eat their blood. And this book was lost for many, many years and only rediscovered recently. But the story that it started continues to resonate today. Mm. So these are the kinds of stories we're interested in talking about. We also have an interview with a professor named Peter Bowl, And he talks about a Confucian text called Great Learning. Mm. And this is the, the text that made education a key pillar of Chinese culture. You know, and everyone knows Chinese are obsessed with education, obsessed with testing. And, and this is the book that really consolidated and amplified that idea. Mm. So, you know, do you need to know about the great learning? Well, if you're interested in Chinese culture and their impact on the world, it helps. Mm. So that's what writ large is. And we think it's a good example of the kind of content we want to make, which is it's educational, but it's also entertaining. And it's also, you know, engaging. And I think at its best, educational podcasting does that. It takes rich, deep topics and it adds uh, some excitement and some sound design and some passion. Mm -hmm. And it helps people really fall in love with important educational topics. Yeah, and I, I love the tie back to what you were describing before, where in some ways, 
writ large will introduce an audience to texts that they can then explore in more depth, you know, so maybe, you know, many of us read Around the World in 80 Days growing up. So like there is a nice nostalgic element to that where I think I may have read the classic comics. So, so that's not technically reading, but it, it's close enough, you know, and, but as an adult, I hadn't really thought about that book in, in many, many years. And then to understand that it, it's ties to, to imperialism and to sort of the way in which we think about innovation and, and a global, like a global perspective on the world, which really hadn't existed before Jules Verne sort of imagined that and put it into this, this, this format. It actually did inspire me to go back and at least dig into the synopsis of the book and maybe get in there and read it some more. So like, it is an interesting way to think about the power of audio and the breadth of, of reach that you get with podcasting in that you're going to be introducing many of us to, to texts that had a profound influence on the world and then leaving it up to us to, to either enjoy the conversation or perhaps explore with more depth through, through some of the tools you were describing, which is, which is super interesting. We're coming up on time. So I want to, I want to think about other ideas outside of what we talked about. One of the questions that I like to ask all of my guests is, what trends are capturing your attention these days, whether they are uh, specific to education and learning or whether they are more broad? You know, we talked about the trend towards audio and listening to content, but you know, we're entering the 2020s. It's clearly, you know, a transformative time in many ways in light of the, the global pandemic that we're facing. What, what's capturing your imagination in, in the broader global world that we're entering that will either have an impact on education or just on how we live our lives or or really anything so this is your opportunity to freestyle you can you can bring any any concept to you know we're talking about curation what what do you what's capturing your imagination that you think our listeners might might be intrigued by well i guess i will just confirm that i do think we are entering a new audio age. Mm. And as a trend spotter yourself, I think that for 500 years, we were in a Gutenberg age, a print age. But with podcasting, with the way we can easily distribute audio, I think more and more scholarly discourse, more and more teaching will happen through audio because we prefer the human voice to the dead page. Mm-hmm. And I think that that affective emotional power mm-hmm. is going to be a, a great strength. So I think you'll find more and more teachers and professors using audio to share their knowledge. Mm-hmm. I think more and more institutions will take podcasting seriously. And I think more and more lifelong learners will be using audio rather than video or textbooks to mm-hmm. continue to, to be nourished intellectually. I also think because of that, the trend uh, of online course towards very short, you know, three to seven minute videos, I I think that that might be nearing an end. Now, I mean, it's not that video and YouTube is going away, uh, not by any means, but I actually think that the lecture form is a beautiful form. And I think that long, rich, deep conversations is as engaging as it gets. And and so I think long form is is a, a return to a trend. And I think that people, after this pandemic, 
I hope that it helped us rethink the crazy pace of the world. You know, globalized economies move very, very quickly. And I would hope that we can keep this slower pace that has been forced upon us, but perhaps we will be able to learn something important from it. Mm -hmm. Fantastic answer. And for our listeners who want to learn more about Lyceum, writ large, many of the topics that we discussed throughout today's show, where, where should they go? What should they do? So you can download Lyceum on the App Store or Google Play. Um, that's L-Y-C-E-U-M. It's the name of Aristotle's school. And uh, you can download the app and start listening today. And we would love for you to check it out. And we'd love for you to, to rate and review it and let us know if there's features that you would want. And then you, you can listen to Writ Large in Lyceum or any podcast app. You can also learn more about the show at writlarge.fm. Awesome. Uh, Zachary Davis, thanks so much for joining us. You're a wonderful guest and uh, appreciate the, the thought leadership that you've provided me in our limited exposure thus far. And I look forward to continuing to the conversation down the road. Thank you so much, Michael. And for our listeners, we'll be back again soon. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.